0: Acts chapter three, let's go to verse one. And the Bible says here, watch this. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. He was there to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention. Expecting to receive something from them, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's a powerful story, huh? Let's pray. Father in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We give you glory and honor for everything you have done so far. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit that we feel in this room. God, I'm praying today that uh, no matter the condition of our lives when we walked in here today, that we would leave this place with healing, hope, encouragement, a passion to persevere. I'm just praying today that we would leave different than the way we came in. We need you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. amen. The first things you see in this story is that Peter and John are coming up to the gate. And the Bible says that there was laid daily a man here at the temple. He was a lame man. And the Bible tells us that this man was lame from his mother's womb. In other words, he was born broken. He was born broken. He didn't choose this. He was, he was born this way. He was born this way. Born broken. Born broken. David said it like this in Psalm 51 and five. He said this. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. In other words, what David was saying was, we are all born into sin. In other words, we are all born broken. To sin means to miss the mark. In other words, physically, mentally, emotionally, when I'm born into this world, I miss the mark. I don't check off all the boxes when it comes to the way God originally designed for people in creation to be born. It's an amazing thing that the first person that was ever born in the earth was a murderer. Adam and Eve were created. Their son was born and he killed his own brother, the first born person in the earth, the first sin person born into sin. Was a killer. <laughs> now, not that wild? The Bible is really clearly teaching us is that throughout history, ever since Adam and Eve sinned and we fell short, we have been physically, emotionally falling short. We've been falling short. And I think one of the things that we have to stop doing is treating people who fall short uh, mentally as if something is more wrong with them than people who fall short physically. It's real quiet in this church today because we, we would never tell a person with a cancer diagnosis to suck it up. Pull yourself together. But we tell people in depression and anxiety all the time to pull it together. You're just not grateful enough. God gave you a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. And we're constantly throwing verses at people, telling them you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But they were born just as broken as everybody else. And for the people who were born, and you made it out pretty good, your body functions correctly, all the connections were made in your brain. To you, you were born broken too. But this is the thing about life is that not only are we born broken, but life breaks us. (laughs) And so if you escape the womb without any marks, apparent marks, very often life wounds you just as much as the womb wounds you. The Bible tells us about a story in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. That Jonathan had just died. Jonathan was David, King David's best friend. He's just died. His father has died in battle. And word gets back into the city that they have died. And the people in the city start to panic because they think that the enemy that just killed them is headed for the city. So the nurse of one of uh, the nurse of Jonathan's son, in fear, grabs Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, and begins to flee the city. And as she's running out of the city, she drops him. And when she drops him, this perfectly normal, it seems, five-year-old boy becomes lame, and he is lame for the rest of his life. Sometimes the people, his nurse, I mean, sometimes the people who are in our life to protect us they don't do what they were supposed to do and they drop us. There are a lot of people in this room today that you were, you were born into a home and, and your parents who were supposed to protect you dropped you. So not only are we born broken and then life breaks us even more. And church, out of all of the organizations in the entire world... We have the answer. But what does the church do? The church spends most of its time arguing over why people are the way they are instead of dealing with what is actually going on in people's lives. It's like a country who still today wants to argue over whether or not racism still exists. If we wanna argue, Uh, over whether racism still exists we will never solve the issue of racism it's until we admit that there is a problem but we have the answer let's stop arguing over how people got there and let's start dealing with the problem because we have the answer this guy in this story The Bible tells us in Acts 4 when they're brought in front of the Sanhedrin and all the religious leaders, the Bible tells us about this guy. The Bible tells us that for over 40 years, this guy has been in this condition. How long has he been sitting outside of the temple, the church, and how many Sundays have religious people walked right by him and been able to do nothing? All they've done is thrown a coin into his cup. And that's what religion will do for you. Religion will keep you addicted. Religion will keep you in bondage because religion thinks (laughs) you need it. When actually religion needs you to prop its (laughs) system up, the gospel needs no one but Jesus. Religion needs people to prop it up. It needs people to fight for it. It needs people to defend it. But Jesus, the gospel, stands on its own. This guy had been struggling for over 40 years. Maybe he was 12, 13, 14 when they first brought him there and sat him in front of that gate right outside of the church. So for 25, 30 years, this guy's been sitting right outside of the church and nobody was doing anything other than giving him money. Mark chapter nine, the Bible tells us that there was this boy who was possessed by a devil and his father brought him to the disciples. And the Bible says that Jesus has actually come out of a time of prayer and he's come down to where this is going on, where this father has brought this boy to the disciples. The Bible tells us that the disciples are there arguing with the religious people. While this boy is battling with this issue, people are arguing. <laughs> it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Here's this boy suffering, and these people, they, they're arguing. And I love Jesus when he gets down there. He says, bring the boy to me. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? They're arguing, Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Luke chapter 10, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us this story of a Samaritan who helps this uh, person who had fallen to these thieves and had been beaten and left to die on the side of the road. The Bible tells us that a priest walks by and moves to the other side of the road. A Levite walks by and moves to the other side of the road. The church has the answer, but we're too busy arguing. We're too busy fighting. We're too busy walking to the other side of the road, acting as if all of this stuff isn't happening in our world. And Jesus is trying to show us something about broken people. Jesus is trying to teach us that I actually came for broken people. I didn't come so you could argue over why they are in that condition. I didn't come so that you could argue argue over doctrine on why they're sick and why they're not sick. There's another story in the Bible where, where in John chapter 9, where the disciples come into a city and there's, their, there's a blind man who's been blind since his birth and the disciples look at Jesus and they say, hey Jesus, who sinned that this guy was born blind? Was it him? Was it his mom and dad? And Jesus was saying, no, this has happened so that my glory can be revealed. See, Jesus is looking for a church that looks at people who are broken and says, they're not a problem for the church. They're actually someone who Jesus has chosen to reveal his glory through. So they laid this guy daily at the gate, which is called beautiful. This had become a way of life for him. And all of us in here have created a system to cope with our brokenness. For some of you, your system is, when I mentioned this topic at the beginning, you turn me off immediately. That's your system to cope with what's going on in your life. You just don't want to talk about it. You just don't want to hear about it. You just don't want to deal with it. You just want to look over it. You just want to gloss over it. You just want to walk to the other side of the road. All of us have created a system to cope, and this system was a financial system. They had figured out a way to put this guy in a proper position so that he could take advantage of these people who are walking into church and they would feel all religious and be moved with a little bit of compassion, not moved enough to do anything about it, but moved enough to actually give him some money. The Bible says that he was there daily begging at the temple. Because what we do when we're broken is we develop systems around the things that we don't think will ever change in our life. And when you have lived with something for so long and you've developed systems around it, built in systems to, to, to keep you in this situation, that's why when Jesus comes to the, to the man who's, who's lame at, at, and he's at the pool, and he and he can't get in the pool, or he won't get in the pool. And and when the waters are stirred, people are jumping in the pool, but this guy's not jumping in the pool. That's why when Jesus comes to him after being there for thirty-eight years, asks him the question, "Do you even want to be made well?" Because when you've been sick this long, you've developed a way, a coping mechanism, around your sickness. Now you, you're, you're addicted to, to substances. Now, now, now alcohol is your way to cope with your fear. Now drugs are a way to cope with your anxiety. Now, now sleeping is the way to cope with the fact that your mind won't shut down and shut up. So you, you take pills to help you sleep because your mind won't shut off. And so you have developed a system around the thing that you think you can't change. And if you keep doing this to yourself, it will destroy you. And if Peter and John wouldn't have showed up that day, it would have been the rest of that man's life that he spent at that gate. But I have a feeling that I am a part of a church community that refuses to walk on the other side of the street that refuses to get caught up in petty arguments over stuff. We are not the type of church that says, I would have given that guy money, but I was afraid he was gonna go spend it on drugs. We are not that type of people. We are not God, we are not in the position of God, we are in the position of Peter and John. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we have, We give to you freely, freely I have received, freely I give. What have I received freely? Forgiveness, love, compassion, healing. I've received them freely, and so I give them freely. When I see people who are broken, I can't walk away, even though maybe I don't have the financial means to take care of the whole situation, I still can't walk away without at least praying, without at least offering a hand, without at least saying, can I give you a ride? Can I get you somewhere? I've got to stop riding on the other side of the road. I've got to stop arguing about it because if I argue about it, it'll make me feel like I'm actually doing something about it. We live in the hashtag world. We are social justice warrior, hashtag warriors. We think because we tweeted about something, we did something about it. And your tweet didn't do anything. We think as we posted about it, we did something about it. Your post didn't do anything. You can hashtag whatever you want to hashtag, but until you actually, when, when the Bible says that when the Bible says that that Samaritan, he saw that man, he had pity on him. The, the Bible says when Jesus looked at cities and crowds, it said he had compassion on them. It's not just, I feel sorry. That means that the, his insides yearned. It was like my, my, my insides wouldn't let me go to the point that I had to do something about it. Now, listen to me. We live in a world today, and I just talked about this on Instagram the other day. We live in a world today where we're expected to care about everything and everyone, and we can't do it. I'm not asking you to care about everybody. I'm asking you to care about one. Jesus is very clear that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. I'm not asking your family to take in all of the homeless people. I'm asking you to consider one. I'm not asking you to feed all of Johnson City. I'm just asking you to consider feeding one. I'm not asking you to share the gospel with the whole world. I'm asking you, would you consider sharing it with one? I'm not asking you to give your entire life to everybody that needs help. I'm not asking that. I'm asking you, for God's sake, would you consider one? Just one. Just one. Maybe one you work with. Maybe one you go to school with. Maybe one you're sitting beside today. Not the world. Just one. I can't save the world. I can't do it. And I can't live with that burden. It will crush me. I can't be involved in every issue that's happening in the earth. It will ruin my life. But I can't help one. I can't help the the one I see with my eyes i can't i can't do anything about the kid overseas that they show me on the on the television screen maybe maybe i can maybe i can give 5 dollars a month or 10 dollars a month or support an organization but i can't i can't physically do anything about that but i can help people that are in my life on a daily basis i can help one i can pray for one i can feed one i can give to one i can and you can Can do it. There are people all around us. All around you. That are laid daily. At the gate. The Bible says that Peter and John. They they looked at him. (laughs) They said man we don't have silver and gold. You know what? This guy was most likely put there by friends and family. Um. Pretty bad because what happened in that day is it was actually, uh, it was actually, people would take people like this lame man and they would use him for their own advantage. So, in other words, he would be carried there daily by family members or a friend and he would be sat there and he would sit there all day and he would beg for money and people would give him money and then he would take that money home, usually home to someone who didn't work nearly as hard. He had worked because when you are lame, people love to take advantage of you. Some people think it's the mentally ill that we should be afraid of. No, it's the mentally ill that should be afraid of us. Because we have created a system and a culture that not only makes them addicted, but takes advantage of their addiction. (laughs) <laughs> oh man. We have companies just creating pill after pill after pill. And then they advertise on these 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 news stations that we all watch because these news stations cr- create chaos and fear in our lives on purpose. So no wonder we watch a bunch of crazy stuff and then we watch a pill about, do you think you're crazy? (laughs) Yeah, I just, did you see what's happening in the earth? So no wonder the advertisers focus in on the stations they focus in on. Because they have created a system to take advantage of our brokenness. Some people only want you around because they can profit off of your brokenness. (laughs) Some people will give you what you want and some people will give you what you need. Jesus is in the business of giving you what you need. Some people can only carry you so far. Some people can only carry you to the point of your encounter. Think about it. This man was brought daily by these people in his life to this point of encounter. And when his life changed, his relationship changes. Tells us in Acts chapter three that, that he was seen clinging now to Peter and John. His relationships change because if your life changes but your relationships don't change, very quickly you will enter back into the life that God just delivered you from. Some people that God put in your life, they were there to carry you to your encounter. But you need new relationships. Religion keep you bound. True Christianity will constantly remind you that you are free. I would be very cautious if this isn't your home church, I would be very cautious if you're in a church other than this one. I'd be just very cautious. That you would that you would put your life and submit your life to a church that that makes you think that keeping rules and being good makes God love you more. Because religion keeps you bound. I'll never forget the first time I told somebody that you were not going to be cursed if you didn't tithe. And the look on their face, they said, how dare you? You just, that's heresy. Scripture says, that, that wherein would a man rob God in Malachi chapter three and tithe and offering. He, he says, whoever does this, he's cursed with a curse. Yeah, there are all kinds of curses in the old covenant. The Bible says that Jesus became a curse to set us free from the curse. Can I tell you something? I think freedom actually makes people live better than bondage always somebody said if you tell people that then your church is going to suffer financially I said I don't care my job is to not worry about my livelihood my job is to preach the truth of God's word and whether that makes our church rich or that makes our church poor I don't care I want people to be free do you know what this type of preaching has done for our church Do you know that over the last five years, we have seen growth financially like we have never seen in the history of our church? Do you know why? Why, because there are people sitting in these these seats today who never gave before because they 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 didn't think if they could, they said, if I can't give 10%, then why would I give anything? I'm already cursed. When you tell people they're not cursed, you're actually set free from the curse of the law, you're actually set free to live unto God. Then what do people do when they realize they're free? They actually live better. (laughs) They actually do more. Fear is a horrible motivator. That's why the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And he says, if you're still dealing with fears because you, you still think God's gonna judge you. That's what the Bible says. You're still worried about judgment, but perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not in church today because I'm afraid if I don't, God's gonna let me get sick. I'm not in church today because I'm afraid if I miss, God's gonna let my kids go crazy. I'm not in church today because I'm trying to appease some heavenly power, some big guy upstairs so he doesn't hurt me. I'm in church today because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm here because I wanna be here. (laughs) they keep you bound so that they can live in their freedom. They keep you bound so that they can get wealthy off of your generosity. They keep you bound so that they can buy more jets. Come on. These guys know. These guys on TV begging people for their money know. No that the majority of people that are watching Christian television are older women, that's a fact. And they know that they are taking advantage of older women. Do you know what the Bible says will be done to people who take advantage of widows and orphans? We don't even want to go there. Religion will keep you locked up so that you can prop it up. Jesus, help us. The Bible says he fixed his eyes on them. And they fixed his eyes, they fixed their eyes on him. And when they locked eyes, things started to change. Church, we cannot help a world we refuse to touch. We can't. If we keep looking at people with issues like they're untouchable, If we keep looking at Woodridge as if it's some, like, quarantine zone in our city. Nobody drives by, by the hospital and says, wow, there's a bunch of crazy people in there. But we do that. Woodridge, oh, that's Looney Town. No, those are people with mental health issues. That need just as much help, and their issues are just as real as the people at Johnson City Medical Center. And we can't, we cannot help a world we refuse to touch. Statistically, our area is battling addiction like, like no other area in the country is right now. I was just in Los Angeles, California, and I was talking to a young guy and his father actually was an addict and he, his life got turned around and now he is, he is one of the Northeast representatives for a, a group called Celebrate Recovery. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? He went from an addict, now he's like leading a, an addiction recovery program. That's, that's awesome. And he said, so where are you from? I said, Johnson City, Tennessee and I went to tell him about our area and he said, I know about Johnson City. He's in Los Angeles, California. He said, I know about Johnson City. He began to tell me all of the statistics. He said, your city has more babies born addicted than any other city in the state of Tennessee. We have more prescriptions per capita than any other state. There are more people on prescription drugs in Tennessee than in any other state that we know of. So we can keep walking on the other side of the street. We can keep arguing over why they are the way they are. Or we can attack this issue head on. We can do something about this. This isn't this isn't this isn't Africa. This this isn't India. This isn't Russia. This is our city. And I thank God that we started a church in Romania, and I thank God that we help orphans in India. But if we get to the end of our lives and haven't made a dent in this issue in our city, then we are here and we exist for no reason. But I think, I just happen to believe that I'm a part of a church that isn't afraid of this issue that isn't afraid of this issue, that isn't gonna walk on the other side of the street, that isn't gonna get caught up in petty arguments, but we will give to, to help and we will give our lives, we will give of our resources, we will give our time and we will give our attention to this issue. Peter and John could have walked past the man like everybody else that was already on the inside of the temple, but they chose not to. They chose to look at him and we have to look at this issue if we're gonna fix it. We cannot fix what we won't face. And I believe that Calvary Church, along with many other churches who are waking up to this issue in our community, can do something about it. If you believe that, would you stand on your feet and just say amen? We can do something about it. Can we fix it all today? Absolutely not. But we're going to be committed to it. And if you're a part of this church and this family and you're struggling today... We're gonna be committed to you. I've had my own battles with anxiety and depression. I got, I got to a place one time in my life, I was so anxious, I couldn't even write in front of people. My friends will tell you that have played golf with me. We would play, we would play, we'd finish a hole, and I would, I would go to write the scores down in the scorecard, and my hands would shake so fiercely that I could not even write numbers. So much anxiety. So much fear. So we can do something. Because it's not just affecting my family, it's affecting your family. It's affecting our community. And we have this solution. His name is Jesus. Amen. May we throw your hands up in the air today if you can. If you don't want to, that's fine, it's no big deal. It's just a big yield sign we throw up in the air to say, God, we hear you. We're yielded to you. Father, in Jesus' name, we wanna be a solution. God, let this church be known more for what we have stood for than what we have stood against. Help us bring so much life and health and vitality to this community. God, help us to, like the Samaritan who refused to walk away, help us to walk towards the broken, to walk towards people that are hurting. God, if it wasn't for your grace, it'd be me in that hospital. It would be me on those pills. It would be me in that bar, it would be me under that bridge. If you, if, if you hadn't intervened, if someone hadn't have loved me, if someone hadn't have reached out to me, it'd be me. So God help us to, not a, it's not a us and them, it's a not a those people, no, it's a we. They are us. We are them. They're yours. You love them. Your desire is that none should perish. God, help us to see our city as our responsibility. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 It's 10-11. I, I need to let you go. If you're here today, you say, Rob, I need prayer. I need to talk to somebody. Again, there's, there's going to be a booth out front in the front lobby there. But also, we have prayer teams that are here. They would love to talk to you, help you. There's also a spot in the back you can go. It's called The Next Step. We can meet you back there. We'd love to, we'd love to just help you today. Don't leave the same. God bless you.